0: Hey there, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the podcast. My name is Dale Trenum, and I will be your host as always. Before we get started with today's episode, I want to let you know of a few things of note. First, you may or may not be aware that I host another podcast called The Third Seat. The Third Seat is unrelated to the podcast you are listening to right now, but if you'd like to check it out, then I will put a link in the description of today's episode that you can use to listen to it. If you like this podcast, then I really think you will like The Third Seat as well, so I highly recommend you check it out. Next, I want to let you know of a few ways you can support the podcast. First, be sure to tell a friend if you enjoy the show. Word of mouth is not only a great way to help support the show, but it's also zero cost. Secondly, if you enjoy today's episode, then be sure to leave a five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Leaving a positive review is one of the best ways of not only supporting the show, but it also gives me direct feedback from you regarding how you feel about the show overall. I greatly appreciate if you decide to take the time to support the show in any of these ways. Finally, if you'd like to follow me or the show on social media, then feel free to check out the description of today's episode. Here you will find all affiliated and mentioned links, as well as how you can support the show online. As always, I want to thank you for tuning into and supporting the show. It really means a lot to me, and I hope you enjoyed today's episode as much as I enjoyed making it for you. All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of the podcast. My name is Daniel Trinham. I will be your host as always, uh, and I'm really excited to bring you all a new segment uh, on the on the podcast today. Uh, I've been mentioning it a little bit on some previous episodes, and I've been working to kind of get the structure of how I wanted it to go, uh, and I'm really excited to bring this new segment uh, to you all today. So before we begin, um, I don't know if I have ever f- Explicitly said this on the show, but I figured it it would be appropriate for the time for this segment in particular. Um, so I'm a Christian, uh, I I am a follower of Christ, I have been for some years now, uh, and it's something that's very important to me, something that uh, I routinely fall short at, uh, but I try to do my best each and every day to uh, follow the Bible as best I can and uh, lead by example, and so. Today, my hope with this segment um, is to do just that. I hope to bring this segment uh, in an honest way, in a, in a way that hopefully provokes honest conversation. Uh, and whatever you, the listener, whatever your background is, whether you um, are questioning your faith, whether you are a Christian through and through, or whether you're not, uh, whatever your background is, my hope is that uh, I can bring this segment and that you can bring uh, you know yourself to this segment with an open mind, uh, with open ears and a, and a willingness to just hear the conversations that we have. And so today uh, I felt it fitting for the first episode to have, uh, an individual that I've gotten to know over the past, I guess, couple of months now, uh, past couple of months now, but an individual that I felt would be appropriate for the first, um, episode of this segment. So Mike, thank you very much for being on the show with me today. Yeah, yeah. So, for those that are not aware, do you care to just give your just a, a brief introduction of yourself and uh, just what you do and and where you where you are today?
1: Yeah,
0: uh, my name is Mike Soto. I'm the new,
1: I guess, uh, new to Chattanooga and Tennessee <laughs> for sure. The totally different culture than we're used to, um, but uh, the new minister here at Central uh, Downtown Church of Christ. And so, in Chattanooga, um, and I'm excited to be here. Uh, I have six kids, so I thought it. That's appropriate to say because that that has a huge influence in my life. Uh, I'm sure it keeps you busy even in my faith. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. So um, yeah, we're done, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's exciting. It's exciting to stay in contact. The two oldest that are married, yeah. And, and we have a little one running around exhausting us, but
0: uh, <laughs> keeping you but, keeping yeah, you real busy. I'm sure. That's awesome. That's, awesome. that's great. So um, I've you know gotten to know you. When did you officially come to to and, or when was the first time you I guess we have the correct word to you taught at Central, uh, or like, you know, the I first time say, you, you, you preached here? Uh, June 19th. Okay, because it was a couple months I, ago, I,
1: I thought. I believe is the, the first working day. But yeah. as far as we tried out, yeah, got to know
0: some people before yeah. that, a month before that. I figured, I knew it was a couple months ago. It wasn't super, super long ago. And um, in hearing part of your story, just whenever I first came in contact with you and, and the subsequent weeks and days and months following that, just. Uh, hearing about you and where you've come from and how you have physically gotten here today. Um, I've been very interested just to hear more of the details of who you are, how you got here, how you developed your faith, how you came to, came to uh, Christianity, and uh, just what it means for you. So do you care to just dive into a little bit of just your own personal testimony and how you got to where you are today and what uh, that whole, you know, the reflections on your testimony, what it means to you? Yeah, sure. I'm 49, so it's going to be crazy. <laughs>
1: it would be a good <laughs> so story,
0: then, hopefully. I'll try not to do the the preacher story. <laughs> I can
1: get long. Hey, listen, we've got plenty of time, so you you go into as much detail as you like. So our my faith, I grew up, well, we, we moved to Arkansas when I was 12. Mm-hmm. And so right in the middle of the Bible Belt mm-hmm. from New Jersey. So there was some influence there, for sure. Um, and we went to church, but my family life was not good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it spurred my brother on or he allowed it, I guess, to influence him in the wrong direction. And Mm -hmm. I, I really pushed me to know God more. Mm -hmm. And so I started when I went and went to a Christian college for one semester Mm -hmm. and changed my major so many times they said, you're (laughs) undecided. (laughs) So after that semester, I didn't know what else. So I just joined the military. Mm -hmm. So being in the air force for about 10 years. Mm -hmm. So I think in that initial stage, um, that one semester at Harding, I got connected with the with a really good group mm-hmm. of Christians that really propelled me in the right direction. Mm-hmm. So going into the military, you can imagine being surrounded, the language, the culture, yeah. and there are some Christians there, obviously. But
0: that's um, a, a harsh reality. To yeah. Create. Yeah.
1: And so I just I I purposefully, intentionally sought out um, being a part of a congregation, a church, mm-hmm. and so at one point. Um, during my service, I met Andrea, my wife. Mm-hmm. And that was when I was really focusing on, man, I really want to be right with Christ. I want to um, know him personally. I don't... And so that was tough, mm-hmm. being young and not having a mentor, not mm-hmm. knowing what that looks like. Um, and, and man, I'm thankful for the church. Uh, but I've I seen things where the focus has been... Mo- maybe the faith has been more... And maybe forgive me, it might be just me, but it's been more in church rather than in Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so even at an early time, I thought, man, I want to know, I want my faith in Him. I know Him. I know that God, I I think I had that trust. Mm -hmm. And so when I met Andrea, man, that's what she was about. Her faith was in Him. Now, was, was she in the
0: military at this time, no, or did you no, just no. come across her while you were in the
1: military? I actually stuck a pencil on a map. So th- <laughs> praise God, there's no Google, because there was no way I would have went to that church if I Googled it. And it's in the middle of Trona, California, in the desert. So is that, is that like where you were stationed at the time? Yeah, in, okay. in Edwards.
0: Gotcha.
1: And so I drove 90 miles to Trona, I mean, deeper into the Death Valley area. Just the middle of nowhere. Yeah, and um, when I I had met her at a youth forum a year before, but thought she lived far away. So when I walked into that church, I saw Andrea, and I mm-hmm. just couldn't believe it. <laughs> so I was up there every weekend. Yeah, I
0: sold CDs, and I had a television. I sold it, you yeah. know, for gas money. Now, were, were these CDs were, were these CDs of, c- of are they were they of other people? Or were these like original productions, original Mike Soto productions? Oh no, these are like. Just music. But, but was it like music that you, you oh, no, made? No, okay no, 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 Yeah, with... Maybe, I was going to yeah. say, are, are these still in circulation anywhere? Like, can I get a copy somewhere? <laughs> no, my my music collection yeah. I sold in, yeah. for gas money. I so, got gotcha.
1: um, That's when it really, really began to hit off when mm-hmm. we we're dating. Because we were sharing, like, in two months we were engaged. So mm-hmm. it went quick. We shared how much we, we wanted to serve God. Mm-hmm. And so both of us grew up in a strongly traditional background where once we got married, that's what we, we started having Bible studies and we were with people mm-hmm. on base. And we thought, is that what we believe? Mm-hmm. You know, we were challenged with our own faith thinking, man, what is, what does the word say? What is our faith really in? Because we we're preaching or teaching people more church structure mm-hmm. and not really what is essential. Yeah, yeah. So that's where it spurred. And my wife is a was a still is I shouldn't say was um, an incredible woman of prayer. Mm-hmm. And and so having that dependence on God and and trusting Him, and when we read His Word, mm-hmm. oh, we're leaning on that understanding. Yeah. So over the years, it grew that way. Mm-hmm. I never wanted to be a pulpit minister. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I went to school for it, uh, in fact, I I we I got a undergrad in um, microbiology, med, you know, pre-med direction, so that we could get like a tent making job, yeah. like Paul, yeah, and plant a church in Portland. Mm-hmm. We did a lot of crazy stuff, so it's hard to. We went to Russia. Yeah. You know, we we thought about moving to Russia because mm-hmm. I speak Russian from mm-hmm. my military service. I worked for NSA for a couple of years, and and so we thought, wow, we're not going to Russia. At one point, it just doors shut. Mm-hmm. And so we moved to Portland, Oregon, where there's 150,000 Russian speakers. Really? So we thought, yeah, we could.
0: Well, that makes sense. We could so,
1: plan yeah. a church there yeah. and, and start working. Yeah. And um, we discovered the majority of those Russian speakers already are part of really big mega Russian speaking churches. Mm-hmm. So that that option didn't seem to be that yeah. door shut too. Yeah. And. Um, the workforce. We could not. I tried so hard to get a job mm-hmm. in Portland, mm-hmm. and ended up in the pulpit.
0: Really? So working was it with
1: the church? And
0: was it was it something that you kind of accident? I guess I'll use the word accidentally stumbled into, or was it something that the opportunity was given and you you felt compelled to do it, or was it was it more? That,
1: I think it was that. Um, well, the job market wasn't open, and we wanted to work with the church. Mm-hmm. You know, once we discovered there's churches up here, and and uh, one of them we attended we were just plugged in we got Mm -hmm. plugged in we had small groups we it was just wonderful Mm -hmm. um the outreach that was taking place and um i looked at two churches one in california and that one and um, that one already had two other ministers so i just felt like oh i know god wants us to take the california route because the need is there and not up there so we did that but it there was some big issues so we um we ended up going back to Portland mm-hmm. and working with that congregation for four and a half years. Mm-hmm. So
0: what, at what point in time was this? That's ten, twelve 12 years ago. Okay. So it was like, I'm trying to think, trying to do that. It's like 2010, I guess is if my bad. Yeah, is 2009, correct. 2010. Okay. Okay. And so, so at this point, so you, this is when you started officially, like you were working as a minister in the church. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, I did it. I did it while I went to college though. Yeah. In Texas. Okay. So there's a lot in between there. Yeah. Uh, when I did the pre-med, I changed Bible major to pre-med mm-hmm. and, um, I was preaching full time
0: during that time mm-hmm. as well. Okay. And so, so how long did you all stay in the, in the Portland area? About four and a half years. About four and a half years. And so did you have any intentions of ever leaving there? Did you think like, this is probably where we're going to, st- at the time, at least, did you think like, this is where we're going to stay? This is where we, we can see a long term future here, or was it more like a, a temporary place for an eventual means to an end somewhere else? you think wow that's a good question
1: i think we planned on staying because yeah. we had bought a house and, yeah. and we had a lot of things we were planning on long future um yeah so just events change we mm-hmm. i did a lot of mission work up uh, um short-term campaigns mm-hmm. to ukraine mm-hmm. during that time in this congregation a couple of the elders decided that that's not something they wish mm-hmm. for me to do anymore yeah and so because of that it wasn't anything bad, mm-hmm. we're still really connected to them
2: mm-hmm.
1: um so we had decided to look for a church mm-hmm. that would leave that option
0: open, yeah so so you were there for you said about four years is that correct yeah four and a half years so yeah. so there for about four years and then I know at some point you just mentioned Ukraine I know at some point you went there prior to coming here you were in the Ukraine for some extended amount of time was that where your your travels kind of led you to next once you immediate, or once you eventually left Portland
1: yeah so we we took on the idea we wanted if we were gonna work in the pulpit which mm-hmm. I didn't really want yeah um if that was the option, then we were going to work with smaller churches in the West and Northwest. Mm-hmm. We thought we want to be able to help churches mm-hmm. uh, that might be struggling. Yeah. So so we worked in California and Washington uh, mm-hmm. State. And then during COVID, a um, Ukrainian family that we had known over the years. Mm-hmm. So I've been going there 10 years mm-hmm.
0: or 11 years to Ukraine. hmm or this specific city in Ukraine, were you, were you going like back and forth, or were you like living in the Ukraine? Oh, back and forth, okay, gotcha. Short term campaign, gotcha. And okay, we got to know a family that were not uh Christians, mm-hmm.
1: and so they ended up sending an email saying, Hey, would you consider moving here and teaching us about your faith? Yeah, mm-hmm. I, in fact, when I got it, it was in Russian, yeah, and I translated it a couple times to make sure, Is that really what they're saying? <laughs> like, maybe I'm missing something, yeah. And so we took that as an answer to prayers. So we were praying for something, some direction. Mm-hmm. And so we did it. We committed um to going and then 2 weeks later we found
0: out Andrew was pregnant with Pippin. So wow. And so so what point in time was this? Would you say it was around it was uh 2 years or he 18 months? So 2 years ago. Okay, so right right yeah. in the heat of A little in, more in the middle two of years. 2020. Yeah. So so what was that experience like? And this was prior to the the outbreak of the war but what was that like being not only in ukraine but being there in the middle of 2020 which was just a year full of so many unknowns what was that like for just you and your family overall in your faith
1: well we didn't we had uh well about 15 months that we were still in washington before we went mm-hmm. so we went a year ago september mm-hmm. is when we ended up or a year ago august okay is when we moved to Ukraine, so we were only there for about six months. Oh, okay. So we got to Ukraine, and uh, we loved it. Mm-hmm. We were loving it. The culture, the people, um, the the one thing that was new to us is that they had everything we have. Mm-hmm. They have their form of Amazon. Mm-hmm. They, have, you know, so people were very comfortable. Which um, in the Christian walk and in evangelism is not easy. Yeah, when yeah. people are comfortable, they don't need Jesus. Yeah. So um, we realized this is going to be. A, a bigger battle than we thought, yeah. or not battle, um, barrier. Yeah. And so, but we were loving it. We love the people. We love the going to the market to buy our groceries, mm-hmm. getting to know the people, the vendors. Yeah. And so yeah. But when the war started and we, all oh, our neighbors, it was like family. Mm-hmm. We would eat and have
0: tea with them all the time. Yeah. And, and so that was a hardship for us when we left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Did you, did you feel like whenever you were there, so you do not I mean, I would definitely say, like you, you felt like you were, or did you? You moved there, like to live. I know that sounds like you moved to live there, like yes, not just like permanent back and forth. Yeah, so, we sold ninety percent of our belongings before we left. So, how long had you been going back and forth between uh, the the West Coast to Oregon or the West Coast to Ukraine until you b- before you officially decided, hey, we want to move over there and, and live there okay. for what what you thought was permanently at least? Yeah, two thousand. I would say. The first
1: trip was two thousand one mm-hmm. um, so twenty years,
0: but to make a of the city where we did move to mm-hmm. uh, that was ten years and whenever you started going back and forth over there did you did you think that it was going to at the time did you feel like it was it was solely going to be a you know uh like you said campaigns like you know you go you go there and you come back you go there and come back did you think it was going to stay like that or did you ever foresee you and your family actually moving over there to live oh, there we, we wanted to move there we tried we went there on a
1: oh man when was that mm-hmm. it's tough i'm trying to think the time frame yeah 2011 mm-hmm. we we went there actually looking at consider moving there mm-hmm. um, So we spent a whole, uh, like a month and a half, Andrew and I and our son, Isaac, Mm -hmm. uh, we went with. And so that's when we really, oh man, we wanted to, but the door, I don't know why the doors seemed to shut,
0: Mm -hmm. Um, but it wasn't bad. We can go back and visit. Yeah. So we were doing that. So, so now that you're removed, you know, from that point in your life, what would you say looking back just on, and I know this is a sweeping question and, you know, over the course of years. And so, uh, distilling this down will be, you know, I'm sure easier said than done, but how would you, what is your, what is your reflections on your faith during that time? Whenever you were in Portland, uh, whenever you were on the West coast, you know, going back and forth between there and the Ukraine and eventually moving there, what are your reflections on just that time in your life and how it impacted your personal faith?
1: I think people seeing people, Mm -hmm. um, I mean, you'll notice I love pictures yeah. of street photography only, only because I love people. Yeah. And so I would say my faith was I started to really see what God, saw, mm-hmm. I think, sees in people, mm-hmm. the need for them to have a relationship. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, even in churchgoers, there's loneliness that mm-hmm. shouldn't be there. Yeah. Uh, and so I would say that's where I realized, wow, I'm getting to see and feel what God feels. Mm -hmm. Like, I started hurting more for Mm -hmm. people, and um, I I actually thank God for that. I was so thankful that I was not turning inward and Mm -hmm. seeing, oh, would I like it here? Or, you know, anything selfish. It was really a plea to see. So, I think that's when this this couple said, hey, would you move here? It was like a no-brainer to Andrea and I. Yeah, we're coming. We're dropping
0: everything and going. I think that's something that... I've been trying to work on my own life and something that I've talked with just with some of my friends and peers is that, you know, oftentimes we view, and this may just be like more of a Western thing, uh, but we view the quote unquote the church as the building or the entity of the church and and understandably so, you know, when if someone asks you like, hey, do you go to church or hey, where do you go to church? Like you tell them a physical location or you, you point them in the direction of where you go or where you, you gather. Um, but I think something I've been realizing a lot is that yes, that's obviously one aspect of it. That's how we describe where we we meet as a church. But the church is more than just the building itself. The church is the people there within within the building, and not necessarily within the building. The church can be anywhere. Uh, you know, I mean, you know, uh, we we see it in the Bible, and you know, I'm sure you you probably saw it in your travels that whether you have you know a multi you know roomed building like we're in right now or whether you simply have the shade of a tree uh, whether there's you know two or more people that's the church and I think that that's such an important part of really developing one's faith is not looking at the church as the building or the corporate entity but looking at it as people as as the individuals that go there the uh, the lives that they live and viewing the church as an opportunity to, uh, make an impact on those people that's that's something that I think is really important because when you look at the church as purely as the entity or as the building or as the even the conglomerate of people, um, sometimes you can you can view it in a jaded way where it's like, oh it's just this it's just this place or it's just this thing uh, which that is part of it obviously. but, I think it's more appropriate to view the church as the people therein, the, the people that make the church what it is and the humanity of it. Um, once you're able to do that, and I'm not perfect at it, but once you're able to do that, um, it becomes a lot easier to do like what you said, to really feel for people, to really uh, empathize with them and to feel the pain that they feel and to celebrate the celebrations that they have. Um, it, it becomes a lot more almost fun to do that. Like you said, like you, you become more energized uh, when those when those moments arrive. And so that's something I've been really been trying to work on in my own life. And, and I, I hope that, um, you know, whoever hears this or, or wherever you're at in your own life is, is not being able, is, is being able to view the church as, yes, the corporate, you know, entity building of what it, we traditionally think of it as, but also understand that the church is made up of the people therein, you know? Yeah. I think one of the things if I can touch on this yeah. is our, our main goal when we
1: went to Ukraine, one of the main goals of planning a church was that we were not going to have any American financial dependency mm-hmm. on that when that church is formed.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: That was kind of a problem we saw develop. Mm-hmm. Not only is there dependency, but then control comes in a different way and we wanted it to be a Ukrainian yeah. church, not an American church.
2: Yeah.
1: And so our goal was, oh, okay, we're going to plan it in the, in a home because, they really in a culture like that they couldn't afford to have a building mm-hmm. on their own without that support. Yeah. And I think we learn, yeah, they could have. Mm-hmm. In this time in this time now in Ukraine, there is that possibility. So we were open to Ukrainians say, yeah, we don't really want to meet in homes. Mm-hmm. Um but we also want to stay away from a gaudy building or yeah. so much financial burden. Yeah. Uh, but the home church to Andrea and I, that's just a huge thing for us because it's a such an it's a family environment mm-hmm. that you do. I think we do lose a little of. I'm not saying it's wrong how we have church now, mm-hmm. but I, I think there's a a benefit that's lost in the intimacy of a of family.
0: That's what church is. It's family. Yeah, yeah. No, something we've been talking about a lot, just just me and different individuals, is um, what we do in the walls of a church. Is important um, both for the people that are in it and the people that are on the outside looking in um, it, it's obviously important what we do in here is, is is to my view is the you know if we are a cup and in our lives we should be pouring some out and being filled up simul, you know at the same time uh, going to church the action of being in the building or being in under the tent or being in the home whatever wherever you gather That should be a time where, in my view, your cup is filled, where you're allowing others or you're allowing your experience to uh, fill you up and give you encouragement and give you the knowledge that you need to go forward. But at some point, kind of to your point, it has to move out of those walls. It can't just stay in the church building itself. It can't just stay in that building or under that tent or, or in that home, even to a degree, if that's where you gather um, it, yes, that's an important part of it, but it has to move outside of those walls because in my view, and and I don't say this from a position of I've, of, you know, I've figured this out or I'm perfect at it yeah, yeah. or even that central is, is perfect at it. Um, no person or church is, but in my view, if, if we only, stay here, if we only do the things that we do here and never allow the church to move outside of these walls, into the communities that we're in, into the uh, the homes that we that are in our community, we're really missing a big part of the gospel in my mind. That, that's a, a big part. You know, Jesus didn't meet with just the 12 disciples all the time. He met with them and then they went out. They, they spread out and, and they went out into the different regions they were in. And I think there's a reason that example was set for us, you know. Well, yeah, for sure. We're a light. We're a light to the world.
1: So, uh, I, I would, I would equate that to like, okay, I have this marriage issue and say, we want to make that better. The question is, why do you want your marriage better? Why do you want your family to be this good family? What's the purpose of that? Just so you guys feel good, uh, in Christ. Now we want our marriage to shine. We want our, our family, uh, uh, it's very selfish to say, oh, we just want this tight-knit family, mm-hmm. and we don't impact anybody around us. Mm-hmm. And the same with the church. If we can get so inwardly focused,
2: mm-hmm.
1: ironically, you'd think that would build us up better and make us stronger. Yeah. But what tends to happen is we, when we're inwardly focused, we end up mm-hmm. bickering too yeah. much about yeah. nonsense stuff. Whereas if we're reaching out, oh, man, you see spiritual growth that mm-hmm. way.
0: Yeah. I, I think as well another thing if if we as individuals and we as a church, um, if we're too inward focused or too focused on the things happening inside these walls, is it can cause and and I'm just as guilty of this as the next person, but um it can cause us to be dependent upon what happens in the church That's building, right. which is not a bad thing. Like, you know, um, you know, whether it's you did oh, my just die? Oh. I'm on, I'm back. Uh, I don't know what just happened there, but whether it's uh, whether it's you or some other minister or, or whoever, you know, uh, fill in the blank here with whoever's name. Um, obviously, when I hear you speak, whenever I hear whoever speak and, and preach, um, that's a time for me to take it in and to learn and to try and soak in as much as I can. Um, but at the same time, I don't need to just rely on you or Whoever, you know, fill in the blank for my faith. If I only rely on you or even a central of, of, of a, if I rely on a singular church building or a singular church structure uh, for my faith, what happens when that's not there? What happens when that person is? Is not around or when you don't have the opportunity, you know, like during COVID when when we may not be able to show up at church as we normally do, what happens then? Is your faith going to flounder? Is it going to falter and go under? Uh, Again, I'm just as guilty. This is the next person, but that's where in my mind, the outreaching hand of your faith should come into play, where it shouldn't just be confined to the walls that you gather in. It should be you know, there should be limitless boundaries on it. You know, uh, I think that's something that can happen is, is oftentimes we become dependent upon the singular individuals or churches in our lives, which sounds like a weird thing for it to be an issue, you know, because you want people to show up. You want people to show up and uh, seek out the the understanding and the knowledge that, that you know, uh, we hope that they need. But at the same time, you don't want that to be the only source of their knowledge and comfort and uh, and and wisdom of in and how they rely on Christ in their life, you know. Yeah, I, I think a key verse for me as as
1: far as faith and and developing it in Jesus rather than in in church structure or doctrine more or less is like First John two six says, "If we claim to be in Christ, we ought to walk as He did." Yeah, yeah, and so. When we look at Christ, when you read and watch His ministry, it was about people. He he would um, just reach out. He would care for people. He would go to those in need, and and there's so much prophecy about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the the blind will receive sight. You know, or even uh, Isaiah deals with the uh, Israelites not doing the things that he cared about,
2: mm-hmm. uh,
1: looking out for the fatherless, looking out for those that are hurting, yeah. uh, releasing the bonds of you know. He would say so that's i think my faith has grown whenever i look at jesus more mm-hmm. and um it just really
0: appreciation for his people mm-hmm. and the people he desires i think it's interesting too and i was talking to someone about this the other day but um you know if you look at the uh, the, the 12 uh, apostles that that went with jesus they all they were all different in a lot of ways but the ways that they Kind of uh, the way that their faith was fueled was in different ways. At least in my mind, you know, you, you brought up Paul. Um, he was a lover of the people around him, and not to say that the other apostles were not lovers of those that were around him. But in all, in in almost all of his letters, in the stories we see of him, he is constantly, you know, he opens up a lot of his letters, you know, talking to the different churches and individuals that he's writing to, you know, saying things to the to the tune of. I pray for you constantly I'm, I'm so grateful that you're in my life and i'm so grateful that you uh have have made this impact on me and i hope that i have had a pause like he's he's giving them uh, the credit where it's deserved and trying to encourage them um and even when you know whether he's critiquing a church or whether he's you know uh encouraging a church it's always from a a, a standpoint of him wanting to see them excel right. and and i think that's interesting to see that Paul had this this great, and even before, even when uh, you know before he became a Christian, he was uh, this man of of great intensity for the people that were you know in his life at that time. Uh, he was against the church before he became a Christian, and he had this great intensity to uh, you know work for those that he felt were doing the right thing at that time. Uh, and so you see that through his life, how he was able to use that passion in a positive way, but then you contrast that to someone like Peter, you know, um, and, you know, for everything that's said about Peter, he, especially after, uh, you know, just while Jesus was on earth and even after he was just a incredible, like, uh, he he sought after Jesus in in every way of the word. Uh, you know he would he would literally go to battle for Jesus. Like he would he would almost be a little too forthcoming uh, when it came to that. But he would be eager to hear every word from Jesus' mouth. He would want to be around him as much as he could and just soak up as much stuff as he could from Jesus. And yeah, yeah. I think that that goes to show that whoever and there, there's more examples than just those two. But it goes to show that we are all given wherever your background is we're all given different aspects of ourselves that um when focused in the right direction when focused on in my opinion when focused on christ it becomes much more fun and much more a lot easier to do the things we need to do if you're a paul if you're someone like paul then focus on those that are around you focus on the people that give you the strength to want to exercise your faith for you know like for him he wanted to cheer on his brothers and his sisters he wanted to help them grow uh, if you're someone like Peter, then focus on Jesus like what you were saying, read really dive into what he had to say, dive into his actions and focus on him and let that be where your strength comes from. Um, I-, I think just wherever you are whatever whatever builds you up and gives you strength, that's the thing you should focus on to allow your faith to continue to grow as you move forward you know yeah 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 and it's I think
1: uh, for sure that's what Andrea had helped me with mm-hmm. you know seeing her faith. It, mm-hmm. early on in our marriage. It was great. Even though we, those first couple of years of marriage can be tough. Um, ironically, we sat with an older couple and they said, you know, after we had shared our difficulties, they go, you guys claim that you follow Jesus. Yet when you hear these things that you're upset about, what's that sound like? And man, it hit Andrea and I so hard. Mm-hmm. We realized, yeah, I'm so selfish. Yeah, And so that helped our marriage. And then just growing with a focus on Jesus. I think many Christians, not sure they have that focus. They have mm-hmm. this focus on, I want to, to be right with God. I want to do these things. I want to go to church. But when you're following him and looking at him, uh, he'll mess you up yeah. in a good way. Yeah, <laughs> And so I, I love it. I love even Paul, uh, James 5.17 says, Elijah was a man like us. Mm-hmm. So when we look at Paul and Peter and, and these apostles that were with him, they made mistakes. Even Peter gets called on the carpet by Paul mm-hmm. uh, for being racist. I don't know if that's the right word. You know, he's like, I can't talk to these Jews, Yeah, these Jewish converts. And Paul really gets onto him mm-hmm. publicly. And so these are men like us. Mm-hmm. And so it helps me. Oh, yeah, I can have a faith then. I can see God working in me. And trust him to do that and mm-hmm. not on my own power yeah and and I think you'll see God do that with this spirit is in us. so we start to feel and we start to see as God does. Mm-hmm. Um, if we allow it, I, mm-hmm. I think we can greet the spirit and not um, permitting him to work. yeah and so we see. Oh, Paul's anguish in Romans 9, he he even lays it out, uh, I'm not lying, the Holy Spirit bears witness, God knows. You know, he lays out three things just to show he's not exaggerating. And he says, I wish myself condemned Mm -hmm. um, that these Jewish brothers of mine would come to Christ. Mm -hmm. That's how he pleaded for those not in Christ. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought, man, am I there? Am I there yet? That's what I want. I want to be to where I would be willing to give up my life. Yeah.
0: You know, you think of, um, I forget where it is in the Bible and you could probably tell me, but when, when Paul is talking and he says, you know, I'm, I'm pulled in two different directions. He oh, says, I'm on, on one hand, I, I want to be with, with, I want to be with Christ in heaven. I want to be with him, uh, and to leave this world and, and to go, uh, and be with Christ, you know, and, and be with him on one, you know, on one hand, that is truthfully where I want to be, but the same, in the same token, um, I want to be here with you all. I don't want to leave you all, you know, uh, with, with work still to be done. I want to continue doing what I'm doing. And, um, you know, it's, I don't know. It's, it's crazy to see just the passion that he had, um, and the love for those around him, because even to that extent, he would go on to say that, you know, if it came down to it, like he would lay his life down for those that were around him. Even, And he wasn't necessarily talking about the other disciples, you know, the other people that he was really close with. He was just talking about his brothers and sisters in Christ in general, That's right. just the people that he knew and the people that were, you know, considered themselves to be Christians. He, he would say how I care for you so much and I have such a deep love and affection for you that I would go so far as to lay my life down because I know that whether I live or I die, it's a gain for, for Christ overall. And like, you know, like you said, like, would I be willing to do that? That's such a huge example to set. But then at the same token, like you said, they were normal guys just like you and me. They were normal everyday people. They were, you know, people not working, you know, they weren't the elites of that day. They weren't the the high class of that day. They were just everyday individuals. Um, And so what that tells me is that I certainly fit that bill. I imagine people listening to this fit that bill. Uh, But even if you don't, wherever you fall in your life and in, you know, the social structure of of everything – um, it doesn't matter. Wherever you fall in that category, you have the opportunity to love and live like Paul and like these disciples and like Christ did. And I think that's incredibly encouraging because Lord knows that uh, I fall short more than I should. And so, still having the opportunity and the the, the grace to um, pursue something higher than myself is incredibly encouraging. And just uh, knowing that it's still within reach is is great to know. You know, for me personally. Yeah. Yeah. I think we see in them and and in, in ourselves as we
1: grow that Jesus is real. Yeah. When Jesus is real, and they finally get it, mm-hmm. you see you see him move. Yeah. And that's what I think. That's the only way. That's the only possible way that Paul could say those things mm-hmm. and mean it. Yeah. Is if if Jesus
0: was everything to him. Yeah. No, I, I certainly believe that. So, um, so taking it in a little bit of a different direction here. So I want to I want to go back a little bit to just. Uh, where you were before you got here. So um, what was it like? So you said you were in the Ukraine for maybe six months or so, five or six months. So what was it like for your family once the war officially broke out and and everything that came with that officially came kind of was born onto your all shoulders? What was that like for you all in trying to figure out what to do next? and, And how did you eventually find your way physically here in Chattanooga?
1: So, oh, wow. (laughs)
0: <laughs> there were there were hints of it,
1: um, Russia building up forces right before we moved. Yeah. Um, but really, we thought, most everyone thought it was a localized, the whole Donbass region mm-hmm. where they've already been having war since 2014. Yeah. Um, so we, we moved with confidence that nothing would take place. And then once things really got heated in December, mm-hmm. I would say November, December time frame, uh, when the embassy started saying, yeah, we recommend everybody leaving, uh, that was a little nerving. And then mm-hmm. seeing the ships come into the Black Sea and things like that. So we really took counsel with the Ukrainians. Mm-hmm. And we had a family already meeting with us in our home as mm-hmm. a church, a Ukrainian family. And they're like, oh, no, nothing's going to happen. Yeah. It's, it's not our region. It's only in the far yeah. eastern region. And uh, he's just flexing his muscles, Putin. Mm-hmm. That's what everybody thought. So we just stayed. And then the more the pressure mounted, hey, Americans need to leave. We just, we still listen to the Ukrainians. And Andrea's like, wow, God brought us here. Everything mm-hmm. happened so smoothly for us. We yeah. had our support. We sold all our stuff. We went. Things were going great. Mm-hmm. So we just assume, oh, God's with us. We're going to stay. Mm-hmm. And... Andrea had no desire to leave. Mm -hmm. I'm the only one. I think it was because I'm a father (laughs) and a husband and I'm thinking all these things. And my background uh, working in the government Mm -hmm. with Russian intel kind of Mm -hmm. really sparked... I need to leave because even the Ukrainians are saying, well, if Russia does take over, it might be better for us. Mm -hmm. And Nikolaev, they felt that way. Mm -hmm. They really felt in general, the people felt like. Where is the name of that city? What what did you say it was? Nikolaev Where is is that located in Ukraine? It's center on the very southern uh, south. It's an hour and a half, two hours drive from Odessa, east of Odessa. Okay. People are familiar with Odessa. Okay. Um, And so. That's that's kind of what took place. It was ah oh, this this anguish of what do we do what do we do, um, and I remember hearing some blasts, yeah, uh, on the first night of the war, and I thought no way yeah the, that the coincidence. I didn't think it was any. I went upstairs and looked out the window and I saw it. At, oh, I want to say I don't know two three in the morning, mm-hmm. and I saw a huge flash of light, and then like in my mind thinking, what was that? Mm -hmm. No way. And then like 15 plus seconds, I don't know how long I hear the blast. Yeah. And that's when I thought, okay, it's real. Something's happening. Yeah. And the next day, you know, people were all at the rumors, you know, everybody's talking, there's tanks coming in. Uh, actually they tried to bomb an airport Mm -hmm. pretty far from Nikolayev. And then, uh, currently now, Herson is the region that they were really attacking that night. Mm -hmm. Uh, And they're still trying to take that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so, that's what happened. Each night, uh, the blast started getting more and more throughout the night. Mm -hmm. And, oh, man, I praise God our kids slept through it. Yeah. Yeah. We had a water heater that was tankless. And every time it fired up, oh, man, it would get me. (laughs) Because I thought... So, I knew I was already having PTSD. Yeah. Uh, But we... We were doing good. I, I remember Harding, it's a Christian university, reached mm-hmm. out to us. So we had a um, Zoom meeting with them. Mm-hmm. A lot of people were reaching out and praying. Mm-hmm. and No one actually was angry that we were staying. Mm-hmm. That's what we expected. Yeah. Um, but it got to a point, okay, we're leaving when we can. Yeah. We're going to pray. And if God brings someone, we're leaving. Yeah. Because we were in a city that was surrounded by bridges. Mm-hmm. And at this time in the war... We're going into the second week of the war. They had all the bridges up Mm -hmm. so that the Russian tanks couldn't come in. Yeah. At one point there was about eight hundred tanks surrounding the city. The city that you were in? Yeah. So we were we were (laughs) I just I just can't even Oh man. The city shut down.
0: The thought of what that I just can't even imagine that. I I I
1: still can't. And we were in it. You know, our minds were not processing things. We're trying to we knew at this point. Yeah. Our mission really is shut. And yeah. the city was shut down. So there was, I remember one night, one day, the entire day, I was on the phone constantly. Different people in America, different people in Ukraine trying to get us out of Mykolaiv.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And they couldn't. We couldn't get anybody to Mykolaiv because of the Russian armies surrounding it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we couldn't get out. And I remember one guy saying, you need to go knock on every door and have someone drive you out of there. I mm-hmm. thought, why would I put... A Ukrainian's life in danger, yeah. who may, who's not a Christian, mm-hmm. and if we die, we're going to heaven. Yeah. So we're we were not about to do that. Yeah, I just told him we're not doing that. Yeah, he goes, well, I can't help you. And I said, well, then God will. Yeah. So we dealt with that quite a bit. It was frustrating. And then one guy called and said, "Hey, you have five minutes. The bridge is coming down. We're going to take you. He just a small
0: carry-on bag for each person.
1: There's six wow. of us."
0: So you're packing your so are packing your life into this. Into well, this we package.
1: we sold everything in America and then we rebought you yeah. know some things. Yeah. So we just threw warm clothes because we heard you could be in the car for four or five days. Yeah. And it's cold. And yeah. We had a baby. It was chaos. Jeez. Well, the guy shows up in this small Subaru. Yeah. And there's six of us. And so we thought, no way, four yeah. or five days cramped in that. Jeez. But he ended up on the way to Odessa um which is about an hour and a half Mm -hmm. which is crazy he risked his life to take us we saw tanks we saw things and um on the way there this guy calls in ukrainian he's Mm -hmm. on the phone i so i'm speaking russian i don't speak ukrainian fluently Mm -hmm. i speak russian fluently so i was speaking to him in russian and i thought i don't know who this guy is so i hung up on him Mm -hmm he said he was going to meet us Mm -hmm. in between Odessa in a car. He wanted to know what kind of car we had. Mm -hmm. So I was a little spooked. Yeah. And um, this American calls back. Why would you hang up on him? He's your ride. (laughs) So this was a special, a Ukrainian special agent that they were going to have meet us in Odessa and take us to the border of Romania. Yeah. And so I thought, oh, man, I hope he calls. I hope I don't lose signal. Yeah. And um, so the guy called back. I gave him to the driver. And... The driver was a little spooked, too. Yeah. He didn't understand what was going on. So, after the phone call, I explained to him what was really going on. Mm -hmm. So, we got to Odessa. We had to go through checkpoints. We got to Odessa, and this guy picked us up in a smaller car. Jeez. But he, they're long, miles long, you know, days wait on these checkpoints. Yeah. Yeah. He just went, he didn't wait in line. He went around the line, and they let him through. So, he did know something. They didn't check our passport. Really? So we went six hours where it was taking people days, Wow, so it was a huge answer to prayers. things went, but we saw things we saw a fighter almost get shot down it yeah. let all of its chaff out. There was
0: crazy Jeez. things our kids saw so 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 you were you were like while you all were in the car driving, you saw like yes, just like looking at the window, you were like,
1: oh, there goes because the... we we had left Odessa, and they were supposed to attack that <clears throat> night in yeah. Odessa, yeah from the ships, but we didn't know fighters were flying mm-hmm. And so we saw this chaff come out of the jet, and then this rocket launched. Yeah. And hit the chaff. It missed the jet, and the jet got away. And my driver, he just floored it. Yeah. He just, it, he panicked. I, I was in
0: shock. I think I thought I can't believe we've seen this. I would not know what to think if I witnessed anything like. That. I, I mean, I wouldn't know what to think if I saw a fighter jet fly by me, regardless. But then to see that. See,
1: I know. was used to it, like on training in the military, <laughs> okay. and then also even, you know, in the Air Force. I. I for a couple of years, when I worked for NSA, we did radar systems, yeah. and so our fighters would fly against them. So it felt like that; yeah. it didn't feel real.
0: That's crazy.
1: So once we were, we got to Odessa, or once we got to Romania, we stayed the night with this this guy's aunt in a remote village on the border. Mm-hmm. And then early in the next morning, mm-hmm. he took us right to the. We didn't have to wait in line. He took mm-hmm. us right to the border, yeah, and we got across. So, so when the border of Romania, of, okay, Romania, gotcha. And Yeah. And a, a missionary that we had contacted yeah. during that time period, um, drove four hours and met us and
0: took Jeez. us to Bucharest. So then from Romania, did you fly back to the States or did you No, stay
1: in we rest? had a lot of people saying, um, take, take your family. Like in Italy, there's a Bible school there. Mm-hmm. So, um, uh, some people from, um, Arkansas said, Hey, It's all secured. Go there. You have a housing and all food. Stay there as long as you want. Mm -hmm. But give the kids a good distraction. Mm -hmm. So we we saw Rome. We took the kids to Florence. It was in Florence Mm -hmm. is where this school was, where we were staying. So we were able to see Italy. Yeah. And then we stayed two nights in London. We stayed there about 10 days. Yeah. And oh, that's a weird thing too. The director of that Bible school, we, we he picked us up, and I thought, I know you. Yeah. His name is Zach. I'm like, man, why do we know each other? Yeah. Both of us, it was driving us crazy. When yeah. we were in Portland, we had forty college students come up to do a campaign, like a work party yeah. campaign. Yeah. Like we're building houses or mm-hmm. painting houses, tearing weeds. And Zach was an intern at that call at that church that came up. Really. And so he was on my team. I was like,
0: no way. And so he was in Italy? That was 10 time?
1: years later. Yeah, he's a director of this Bible school. So it was such a small world. It yeah. was a cool connection. And then, uh, so we had a lot of awesome visits and talks. Yeah. And we learned how difficult it was more so in Italy mm-hmm. for them during COVID than it was for us in America. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't realize how shut down they were. And wow. he, he talked about that quite a bit. So, um it was good for the kids. Everything, our kids, man, they're so resilient. Yeah. And it was a blessing. We made a YouTube video of them answering two questions mm-hmm. because Andrew and I wanted to draw out of them. This was in Romania. We did it. We wanted to know what's in their mind, so we did it candidly. Mm-hmm. And they couldn't hear each other. Yeah. And so I, I, I made it into a YouTube video because Andrew and I were blown away. But yeah. the questions were, what was the worst thing that you feel about leaving Ukraine? Mm-hmm. And man, it blew us away, this YouTube video, what they were saying. Um, and then the next question was, where did you see God mm-hmm. in this? And so, um, man, yeah, it was awesome. So there were things that we wanted to draw out of them, how they're dealing with it, what they're doing. with. Yeah. Um, God has been a really, really big blessing in that. So then we yeah. came to the States.
0: Yeah. And so did you have any kind of, like, plan once you – were you just thinking, we're going to come back to the States and figure it out once we got there? Or did you did you have some kind of working plan in mind of what you were going to do?
1: Well, we knew for sure we were going to stay a month with Andrea's mom, mm-hmm. um, mainly because right before we went to Ukraine, her dad died mm-hmm. unexpectedly. And so it was, like, almost on the
0: year anniversary of that death. Was this in the where, – where, where was this at? In California. California. Okay, gotcha.
1: And so we spent a month with her mom – um, and then, for, and then, it was time for Isaac to get married.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So we went and did that in Arkansas. We went to Arkansas mm-hmm. for a month, mm-hmm. and during that month, we were interviewing and trying out at a couple churches, mm-hmm. and Central being one of them. Mm-hmm. Nice. So and uh, and here you are now. Yeah, crazy. That's crazy. I. <laughs> so we still process things because that was like a, a fresh church plant in a mm-hmm. home, and then all of a sudden. We're back into yeah. this structure, which yeah. isn't wrong. Yeah, uh, but it it took some time for me this yeah. last couple months to
0: really get set in mm-hmm. in that mindset. Do you do you still have any way of keeping in contact with the people that you were in touch with oh, yes. uh, in Ukraine yeah. via Telegram? Now I'm down to about six of them. At first it was about
1: fifteen mm-hmm. that I was constantly talking to, but yeah, uh, yeah, I regularly speak to six of them. So some of them are still hunkered in their cabins. They yeah. have a cabin. Yeah. They're just stubborn. They don't want to leave. <laughs> and so they're, they're staying. And I can't imagine. You know, this is everything my whole life, you know, yeah. living there. And yeah. Why would I,
0: you know, they don't want to live as a refugee. So that is just, just the things that you've described and just the things that I've seen and, you know, as this has all been playing out, it's just I, I can't. I don't understand, like, I cannot fathom what that would be like, like living through that, both from the perspective of you being someone who was leaving when that broke out, and also the perspective of an individual that is from there that has decided oh, to yeah. stay. Like, I just can't imagine what that is like. Um, well,
1: Alora, her statement was this is what's crazy. She goes, What's the worst thing about leaving Ukraine? She said, Well, when I see the people there, They leave their, the husbands could not leave the country Mm -hmm. or brothers, you know, any young man under 65 can't leave. So women and children were leaving and it says they were leaving their husbands, their fathers, their brothers, Mm -hmm. and we didn't, we we were all together. And that's where, that's what bothered Elora. So things like that, like, wow, this, this young lady, this young girl saw that, noticed that. Yeah. So those are things that, like, I can't imagine. Yeah. Andrea and the kids leaving, and I'm staying there. Yeah. Now almost a year. Yeah. Or six, I'm sorry, six months, seven months into the war.
2: Yeah.
0: It's crazy. So you're now here in Chattanooga. What is, looking back, just as we're kind of beginning to wrap things up here, what is... One. What are your thoughts just on everything you've laid out here? I know that's a, a lot of things we've talked about here, but what are your thoughts? One on just where you've come, how you've gotten to this point, and two, where would you say that you personally are at with your faith right now in this moment, just regarding everything that's happened leading up to this point right here? Yeah, the faith I think is in trusting Him.
1: Mm-hmm. Not knowing when things are really, uh, circumstances are uncertain. Mm-hmm. Um, I know that he's got us. Yeah. Um, 10, 15 years ago, I think this could have crushed me mm-hmm. a little bit. Yeah. Understandably. So <laughs> but now I, I, I'm confident. Like mm-hmm. I don't feel like hopeless or lost um, where he's using me or how he's going to use me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is definitely in my prayers constant. Um, and I, I think we, implementing small groups here in central was huge for me Mm -hmm. because we come from that Mm -hmm. as our main church. So Mm -hmm. we have a big collective body. We meet on Sunday and our gathering, but now that we're meeting in small groups and then seeing you guys, Mm -hmm. uh, your college and post-college group, how often they get together. That's, that's what we're seeing Mm -hmm. in scripture. It's Mm -hmm. coming alive. Yeah. So in, in one way, this is exciting to me. Um, not having seen that mm-hmm. in other places, mm-hmm. uh, I feel like this is a huge blessing that God has given to Andrea and I and our family yeah. to be put in a place where we get to see some of that. Yeah, uh, we want the whole church there. We want all generations uh, implementing and, and exemplifying what you guys are or seeing. What you guys are exemplifying. Mm-hmm. So um, that's maybe my goal now, my mission now here at Central mm-hmm. is to get the whole
0: church. Our whole family being this way. That's awesome. That's awesome. I love it. Um, just in the short time that I've gotten to know you and, and hear from you and, uh, and just now hearing more in depth about your experiences and how you've got here, um, you individually seem to just have this great, just excitement, uh, from, from my perspective, just excitement, not only just for, um, your own personal faith, but like what we've been talking about just with other, the people that you come in contact with every day. Um, you know, you, you're, you're an individual that, uh, just is driven by the individuals that are around you and by the faith that you have inside you. And so, um, I, I definitely think that, uh, everything you've just laid out definitely, uh, is, is seen through your, your daily action and the things that you do. And, um, I'm glad to have you here. I'm glad to to have you know our paths to have crossed, and I'm glad to glad to have you here. Oh, I am too. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. You. Um, before we finish up here, we've got just uh, a few more minutes here. Um, I'd like to do just this is kind of a, a little bit of a tradition with the show. Every interview I do, um, I always like to end it off on a, a little bit of a, a fun segment at the end, um, totally unrelated to everything we've just spoken about. But I always like to do this just to hear from you, just to hear uh, a little bit about you. And so, this segment that I like to end everything with is called 15 quick questions. Oh, wow. wow yeah. uh, and these are totally unrelated to everything we've just, we've just been talking about, uh, but these are going to be this or that question. So, you know, either A or B, you know, things like that. Um, so I just want to hear the, the answers off the top of your head and, and hear what you have to say. So does that sound good to you? Yeah, yeah. All right. This is 15 quick questions with Mike Soto. First and foremost, beach vacation or mountain vacation? Oh, mountain vacation. Hot coffee or iced coffee? Or if you're not a coffee person, you can hot substitute coffee. tea. Hot co- okay, hot coffee. Um, summer, fall, winter, or spring? Fall. Oh. Sweet or savory food? Savory. Are Crocs fashionable? Yes or no? <laughs> Supposed to be first. As a dad, I would say yes. Yes, for that's, sure. I think that's the correct answer in my opinion. Um, pineapple on pizza, yes or no? Oh, yes. Nice. Um, sunrise or sunset? Sunset. Guacamole or salsa? Oh, man, both. (laughs) Guacamole. (laughs) Um, Would you rather do a movie marathon or a TV marathon? Movie marathon. Nice. Uh, Crunchy peanut butter or smooth peanut butter? Crunchy. New York-style pizza or deep dish pizza? New York. Who do you think would win in a dance battle, The Rock or Kevin Hart? Kevin Hart. (laughs) (laughs) Um, which, Which decade do you prefer, the 70s, 80s, or 90s? Whoa. <laughs> that changes. 90s. Um, we are entering the end of the year. So which is your favorite of the, the end of the year uh, holidays? Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, or New Year's? Which is my favorite? Yeah. Or which do you prefer? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. And finally, the last question, I ask everybody this, and so I want to not only hear your answer, but I want to hear your your rationale, your thinking in this. Would you rather fight 100 duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? 100 horse-sized ducks. No. 100. Duck-sized horses. Yeah. Ducks. Oh, my goodness. So, so you'd rather fight 100 duck-sized horses? Yes. So, so what's, your, what's your thinking regarding that? What's your, what's your strategy here? I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> I just can't do the big one. Are you kidding me? You think you can take on 100 duck-sized horses? 100 oh, yeah. 100 small horses? If I had a good weapon, yeah, sword, I could do it. Just cut their legs out. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I, I get a different answer every time. And I hear some people say, you know, I, I prefer one thing. Like, in fr- I think I'd get overwhelmed by a lot of things. So I'll take the, you know, the one big duck or, you know, things like that. So uh, that's hilarious. Well, well, thank you very much for playing along. Uh, I always like the in the end each interview off that way. Um, before we finish up, I want to just say thank you very much for doing this. I know you're um, a busy individual, and I know that this is kind of a – uh, a new segment for the show, but I just felt that you would be a great individual to kind of kick this segment off with, and so I appreciate you taking the time to to do this with me. Um, and and just thank you for all that you've been doing. Before we finish up, is there any uh, anything else you think you know the the listeners should know? Any. Um, you know, if there's any links that you think they should check out or anything affiliated with just the church or anything in general that you'd like them to know about. Wow. I don't, I'm, I'm off of social media. <laughs> today, so I don't know, but I, I'm appreciative of you. Mm-hmm. I wish
1: they, I wish the listeners could see the group that you guys have, mm-hmm. uh, especially what's coming on tonight. The encounter group, uh, just the devotion mm-hmm. to grow and, and help one another, a community.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so if you're out there, if you're listening, man, build a community where you can actually reach to other people. There's too many lonely out there.
0: I agree. I agree. Well, Mike, uh, I want to just say again, thank you very much, just not only for doing this, um, but just thank you for everything you do. Uh, I know with here at Central specifically, uh, David has was here for a, a very long time and um, with him you know, stepping down and, and moving into a different role, we were looking for the right person and uh, you've been a great leader and a great individual and someone that I've been very happy to have Uh, just in my life. So thank you for all that you do. Thank you for being on here. And uh, I appreciate you just everything you do. Cool. Thanks. To all the listeners out there, uh, I hope that you enjoyed this new segment. Uh, it's, It's something new for me. It's something that I've been looking forward to doing uh, and I hope that you enjoyed. Um, if you did enjoy, feel free to leave a positive, a five-star review, uh, if you'd like for the show, uh, wherever you get your podcasts, uh, or feel free to let me know your thoughts. Um, the contact for the show is radiofacepod at gmail.com. You can feel free to send me your thoughts anytime you like, uh, or you can find myself or the show on uh, social media with links in the description of today's episode. Um, But with all that out of the way, Mike, again, thank you for being on the show today. To all that are listening, thank you for listening and supporting the show. And I will catch you all on another episode of the podcast. Goodbye, everybody. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the podcast. As one final reminder, if you'd like to support the show, then don't forget to rate and review the show wherever you get your podcast or share it with a friend. If you'd like to check out any links that were mentioned during the show or follow the show or myself on social media, then feel free to head to the description of today's episode to find these links. As always, thank you again for checking out today's episode. and I really hope you enjoyed it. I will catch you all on the next episode of the podcast. See ya!